Well, good afternoon, everyone. The H1B Guy here, and today, the H1B Guy Live, October 5th, 2022. Today, I'm going to cover Biden's plans on pushing immigration reform after the midterm elections, the November 2022 Visa Bulletin Preview, as well as the Diversity Visa Lottery for 2024 opens today on October the 5th, 2022. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and like this video so that I can continue to produce more content like this for you. The H1B Guy also offers a variety of consulting services. I help businesses and individuals solve complex work authorization issues in the recruitment process while bringing awareness to employment-based immigration benefits. If I can help you, please reach out. I'd love to hear how. And you can book an appointment directly with me via the h1bguy.com. Today's live stream is brought to you by Syndesis and Path to Canada, the ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. By perm-ads.com, the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process. And by Mob Squad, are you a technology professional facing U.S. work visa-related challenges? Don't leave your fate up to chance. Our partner Mob Squad has a solution. Join the squad. Well. Thank you for everyone who has joined me here this afternoon. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day uh, to jump in here with this live stream with me. Uh, you may have noticed that I did not post any content at all last week. Uh, my family and I took a much needed holiday um, where we uh, took a cruise through the Caribbean. And I have a funny little story that I'd like to tell about that before we jump into today's content. Um, while on the ship, we we cruised on the allure of the seas out of Fort Lauderdale um, and avoided Hurricane Ian um, and made our way into the Caribbean. And uh, on Tuesday, September 27th, uh, one of our traveling party, it was a good friend of mine's birthdays, and uh, he asked me if uh, I would go play um, adult soccer with him. And ironically, you know, I begrudgingly did it. Uh, you know, I'm older and I'm a little out of shape. Uh, been a while since I've played competitive soccer, but uh, did go and um, on the other team so happened to be one of my business partners, um, my good friend, Daniel Botero from Mastering College to Career. While we were playing the game, I'm like, man, that sure does look like Daniel. So I went up to him and uh, was like, hey, what's up, man? And ironically, Daniel had made the decision at the very last minute to join uh, his mom and their family on this trip. So had the opportunity to hang out with Daniel uh, a couple times over the course of the week and um, just realized, you know, how small this world is. Daniel and I had never personally met. We only had met each other and knew each other through LinkedIn. Um, so, so nice to put a name with a face for Daniel. He and I will hopefully be getting together again sometime in December. Um, of course, I've been on his podcast multiple times. I've had him here on the H1B Guy channel as well. Um, I have affiliate links uh, to Mastering College to Career. So if you are a college graduate that is seeking help in landing an internship, I cannot emphasize the program that Mastering College to Career has enough. Please go check them out. I will add that link to the video description 
Um, I haven't done that already, but I just wanted to tell that that story of um, honestly, you know, how small the world really is and uh, um, unbeknownst to both of us, how soccer brought us together. So I uh, wanted to talk about some news articles that came out yesterday, um, two different ones, both of which I find to be really interesting. Uh, so yesterday on October the 4th, 2022, uh, in an article that was written by Mike Mamoli, Peter Nicholas, and Carol Lee for NBC News, it's titled, uh, The White House is Discussing a Push Around Immigration After the Midterms. Uh, so some of the, the, the paragraphs that I pulled from the article say, quote, as they plot a post-midterms legislative agenda for President Joe Biden, White House officials have been considering whether changes to the country's immigration system should be one of the major policy pushes, according to White House officials and other people familiar with the discussions. Um, the talks are happening within a small group of Biden aides, and the president hasn't yet made any decisions, the sources said. The policy details of any immigration push, as well as its scale and scope, would depend on the makeup of Congress and the political climate the people familiar with the discussion said. Biden sent Congress a comprehensive bill to overhaul the immigration system on his first day in office, but he has expended no political capital to move it forward in the nearly two years since, while Democrats controlled the House and the Senate. Now, however, some Biden officials believe elevating immigration to a high-profile priority could benefit the president regardless of the outcome in the midterms. Either he makes bipartisan progress in revamping the immigration system, or he casts the GOP as nativists determined to block migration to the U.S. Uh, so I think uh, this is all really interesting. Uh, we go back to that U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021, USCA 21, as we refer to it, um, that was... Uh, introduced by Senator Menendez from uh, New Jersey. And this was literally a day one policy. And it wasn't um, just for illegal immigration. It covered a lot in employment-based immigration as well. Um, and so we've talked about comprehensive immigration reform bills and those pieces of legislation numerous times over and over and over. And, you know, ultimately, it has always seemed to me uh, that a standalone smaller piece of legislation was going to be what was more likely had a higher probability to, to pass and to be signed into law. And so I, I think what's interesting here is we've seen a lot of the back and forth. And, and as I've warned those of you who have followed this channel for, for over the last couple of years to, to expect um, a, a whole lot of the same from the Biden administration. And, and that is a whole lot of nothing, right? Um, they, they really have, have chosen to do very little as it relates to, to legislative action. Um, of course, you can always put that blame on, uh, on Congress, right, on the House and the Senate. Um, but ultimately, it, it comes from the top, and that is if the Biden administration is not pushing immigration as a key agenda, um, you know, you have what's really gone on, and, and the next article talks about that a little bit further, which is then you have little pieces of immigration reform 
attempted to be introduced in, in other legislative bills, right? Um, we, we've seen that kind of over the last year and a half specifically. And the shame of it is, is that this was really the opportunity for the Democrats to, to make significant um, changes to the immigration system. But in, instead, uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of activity from them. And, and I think that's what's concerning for for many of you who had hope as we we entered into January of 2021 and, and the inauguration. Um, you, you know, it, it, we, we had hope that what we had before with the Trump administration couldn't be any worse for immigration as a whole, specifically employment-based immigration. Um, but really what you see now is that in order to have the majority uh, vote, that 60-40 vote, if you will, in, in the Senate, we've seen a lot of uh, Republicans uh, just unwilling to, to change their stance. And so that's what makes the other article that came out yesterday with um, some updated news around foreign national STEM exemption uh, being added to the National Defense Authorization Act. Um, and so yesterday, also on October the 4th, 2022, uh, in an article that was written by Haley Bird Wilt for the dispatch titled, uh, Plan to Grant More Green Cards to STEM Graduates Resurfaces. And we've seen this piece of legislation now uh, really multiple times over the last almost two years. And the article says, quote, lawmakers are looking to the Senate's upcoming debate on the National Defense Authorization Act, NDAA, as their chance to pass the measure. The amendment introduced last week by Illinois Democrat Senator Richard Durbin would exempt foreign graduates of American institutions with advanced STEM degrees, master's degrees, and higher from annual green card limits. Admissions would be contingent upon applicants receiving offers to work for a U.S. employer in a field related to their degree. So here's this bipartisan piece that's so very important. Senator Mike Rounds of South Dakota, a Republican, has also signed onto the amendment as a co-sponsor. Legislation to exempt advanced STEM degree uh, holders from green card limits passed the House earlier this year in a broader China competition package. That was that CHIPS Act, um, the semiconductor bill, if you will. Uh, but negotiations scrapped it from a compromised version within the Senate. Uh, that's because Senator Chuck Grassley killed it. So again, with what I'd call a bolt-on amendment, right? A bolt-on amendment to a larger piece of legislation um, we have to wonder how STEM graduate exemptions uh, fits under the the NDAA, and I think that that's a, a question that will will be debated in the Senate um, as we we start to look through kind of what's next here. But what's interesting is about a month ago, I, I felt like immigration reform was possibly dead for for 2022. Um, but now here we hear from the Biden administration, from White House officials saying um, they plan on pushing immigration reform as a whole after the election. So that means after November the 8th. Um, and here we have our good friend, Senator Dick Durbin, with another one of his amendments 
um, introducing right legislation on a bigger standalone piece of legislation. Uh, we have to wonder if, if this has any probability of, of finding its way into law. Uh, the one thing that I will tell you, if you've listened to, to Senator Durbin talk at all, and we can all go back way back uh, to the 2020 debates around, um, you know, Senate Bill S-386, the Fairness for High School Immigrants Act. Uh, and that is he always discussed it does not increase the number of green cards. Um, and so that's why this is interesting, because what this piece of legislation does um, is it actually increases the number of green cards that would be available. So it would make exemption status available for STEM graduates, master's degree or higher, master's PhD, that had an offer of employment here in the U.S. It would exempt them from the annual green card limits, right? So, um, you know, that 140,000, that 7% country cap that we talk about, it would exempt them from that. I haven't read the text exactly, um, but just in reading this article and trying to get an understanding of what they were previously looking to do under the chips, um, you know, we, we see here now, this is a continuation of um, the Democrats' effort to, uh, to make some sort of immigration reform, specifically in employment-based preferences. So um, would like to ask you, if you haven't already, please make sure you're subscribed to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube. Uh, click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime we go live like we have here today on October the 5th, 2022 uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern. If you're looking for ways you can support the H1B Guy platform, you can do so currently through the Super Chat function here on YouTube. There is also a Super Thanks function if you're watching or listening to this at a later date. Um, but mainly if you can just like this video and if you have questions or comments, I definitely want to hear from you. Um, what do you think about Biden's plan to put out um, immigration reform after the, the midterm elections take place? What are your thoughts around STEM exemption um, being included as part of the NDAA? Uh, I, I think, again, we, we we're seeing this come up more and more. This tells me that this particular component of immigration reform, the STEM exemption for master's degree or higher, um, I think is something that will continue to pick up a lot of steam. I, I would not be surprised if this is some sort of immigration reform that eventually becomes law at, at some point in the next year or so. Um, I think you've got a lot of people out there asking for this to happen. However, if we start to look at the jobs reports that came out from August, right, jobs were down significantly. Um, now there is a little over 1.7 jobs for every available worker down from uh, roughly two jobs for every available worker. Um, we still are seeing very strong demand in IT, though. Unemployment in IT remains approximately 2% or a little bit below that. Um, but we look at the news of the deficit, right? And the trillion dollars in deficit that, that's continuing to happen. Um, and we have to go back to what's going to give us this injection, right? Uh, it, and to me, it is innovation and technology. And the more friendly that we are in offering out US educated paths, right? The more attractive we become 
to those 200,000 plus international students that seek education, higher advanced education here in the U.S. annually. Uh, but as I said a month ago, I, I really felt like if I was reading between the lines, it, it kind of felt like immigration reform for 2022 was dead. But here we are a month later and um, it's resurfacing. It's resurfacing with uh, White House officials from the Biden administration coming out saying that, that they plan on pushing um, immigration reform. Now, when they say that, they could be referring to illegal immigration, uh, to the deferred action um, uh those that are under deferred action uh, for childhood arrivals, that, that could be what they're looking to revamp. It doesn't specifically come out and say employment-based immigration. Um, it just says pushes uh, plans on pushing immigration uh, kind of post-midterm. Um, and then Senator Durbin introducing the, the STEM exemption uh, as part of the debate that will be coming up for uh, the the NDAA, the, the National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, so we'll continue to monitor this. But one thing that's interesting about this, the STEM exemption uh, being added to the NDAA is that it does have the bipartisan support uh, or at least a bipartisan co-sponsor. So we'll see how all of this plays out. I'm not hopeful that anything's going to happen this year, uh, but I do think it's worth mentioning. It's It's worth discussing. Now I want to have a conversation kind of briefly around the uh, November Visa Bulletin. Uh, for those of you who haven't had a chance to check out the H-1B Guy forecasts, uh, November 2022 Visa Bulletin predictions, um, I posted that on Monday, October the 3rd. And um, if you've already watched that video or you commented on it to me on, on Twitter or on YouTube, uh, you may have noticed it was a fairly conservative prediction. Uh, and, and I think a lot of that goes back to one, we've USCIS come out and said there will be 200,000 uh, employment based green cards available for uh, fiscal year uh, 2024. Uh, but we haven't seen that be put out specifically, excuse me, for fiscal year 2023. We haven't seen that. Um, we haven't seen that be physically published on the visa bulletin. My, my guess is that we will see that come out uh, with those exact numbers, most likely in November's bulletin. I do believe that that's how they handled it for uh, fiscal year 2022. Uh, last year, they, they put the numbers out in terms of the total available for family-based and employment-based um, that was put out in the November bulletin for last year. So I expect something similar to occur here. Um, but again, one of the things that a lot of you have commented on is, um, hey, if there's going to be 60,000 spillover visas available, well, why was I so conservative um, in my predictions for, for the November 2022 visa bulletin? And Quite honestly, I, I've just been looking at historical patterns, and that is when dates have been retrogressed, okay? And I'm specifically talking about India EB2 final action, India EB2 dates of filing, um, because they were retrogressed in October. And, and that is when dates are retrogressed, they typically do not see any forward movement or any further retrogression uh, for two to three months. And so I expect that pattern to continue. 
um, at least for November and December. I think once we get into January, they may have a better idea of the overall number usage uh, and what that demand's going to look like. Uh, but that's why if, if you've already checked that out, uh, you've read that post on the h1bguy.com, um, you'll notice that no forward movement for India EB2 um, is, is what I'm thinking on both final action and, and dates of filing. Very minimal movement for China EB2. And I, I think EB3 will continue in kind of this monthly increments. Um, I think we'll see that at least for the first several months of the fiscal year, kind of in this 21 to 40 days of forward movement month over month um, over the next couple of months. So really interested to see what November's Visa Bulletin is going to look like. Um, I do think there is a possibility it could be out as early as uh, this Friday um, and as honestly as, as, as late as, as next week. Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. So it should be out really soon. We should have a, a good in idea um, and, and insight as to, uh, to to what the dates are going to advance or are going to be looking like. Um, but I, I think when we kind of play through it, like what does that mean as we look forward, right? And, and kind of taking what happened in October, um, everything that we've been been seeing and hearing, all the calculations too, right? There's just so many folks out there that um, do a significant amount of, of calculations around um, uh, the bulletin, taking the, the numbers available, crunching those down um, into actual number usage per country. Uh, so there's some really good websites out there that, that do that that I've seen. But I think what's really interesting here, when we look at, you know, again, you know, the retrogression that occurred in October is pretty staggering. I mean, it was it was almost nearly three years of, of retrogression. And I think that causes a lot of concern for many of you. So um, definitely want to talk more about the November Visa Bulletin. Um, if you have uh, questions around what I'm thinking, I'd love to hear what you're thinking. Uh, please feel free to post those in uh, the chat here, and I will absolutely get to those as, as we walk through this over uh, the next 20 minutes or so. But before uh, we jump into the Q&A portion of this live stream, um, I've covered Diversity Visa uh, sparingly over the last couple of years. Uh, of course, with the DV 2020 and the DV 2021, um, there was a lot of issues in terms of those winners being awarded, but unable to obtain uh, appointments to get their approvals. So in turn, what happened is their, their DV window expired. Um, the diversity visa is a good way for us to bring in labor. Not necessarily high-skilled labor, but labor as a whole, and that labor comes from all over the world. Um, and so, again, I talk about employment-based uh, immigration benefits. The diversity visa is one of those. Why? Because it's a green card. Immediate. It's an immediate green card. Uh, and that immediate green card grants work authorization. So today, on October the 5th, 2022... Um, if you are someone who is watching this from around the world, 
and you are one of those that is eligible to apply for the diversity visa lottery, um, there is, I've shared the link to do so in the video description below, but quite simply it's, it's DV hyphen lottery.us. Um, and so that lottery is currently underway. Most likely will be open for the next three weeks, maybe a month. Um, and, uh, again, last year there were several million, um, in terms of, of applicants for 55,000 spots. So again, you still see this demand remains at an all time high, not only for DV, but just for employment based, um, there's one thing I know, and that is individuals from around the world still seek the U.S. as the number one destination um, here for opportunity, right? And so, um, again, just wanted to highlight very quickly that, that you know, I, I get views from globally all over the world. And I wanted to thank you for anyone who has taken time to watch any of my content. But if you're watching this and... Uh, you're from somewhere outside of the U.S., from somewhere outside of India or China. Um, there is a list of those that are uh, eligible for the diversity visa. Uh, please make sure that uh, that you check out that link, dv-lottery.us. Again, that's in the video description below. Um, those of you may already have that. You may already be aware of it. Um, but just wanted to mention that there are 55,000 diversity visas that are assigned out annually. Um, and, you know, again, the odds are very low. Millions of applicants typically apply annually. Uh, so please, you know, make sure that, um, that that you put your name in the hat. If you want to come to the U.S., it's a great opportunity. It's a green card um, that gives you immediate work authorization. Really is uh, is, is, is no better way. Um, for, for you to come to the U.S. And, and have an opportunity to to work under whatever type of employment field that that you would like. And that's one of the things that I wanted to, to before I, I move into the Q&A here, um, you know, I've talked about merit-based immigration a lot. And, and I think that the freedoms that come with merit-based immigration versus the restrictive nature that is the H-1B, granted, there are freedoms with the H-1B. Uh, but it is also very restrictive, right? It's in employment tied. And so, you know, there are uh, there are issues that are created from that. There's a maximum stay around it. Um, it requires uh, perm labor sponsorship, green card sponsorship for employment-based preferences. Um, so while this channel is the H-1B guy and I primarily talk about H-1B visas and the green card backlog, um, just wanted to give a little mention to the DV visa for the lottery for 2024. So uh, with that being said, I do want to take about 15 minutes here or so. Uh, for those of you who are currently watching, please post your questions or comments in the QA. I'd love to hear where you're watching from. Um, as some of you have already dropped here in the chat. Uh, but if you have questions or comments for me around immigration reform, around the visa bulletin for November, around the DV lottery, I'll do my best to answer it, although I'm just not as familiar with it. Um, would love to hear from you. So please uh, go ahead, drop those questions or comments that you have into the chat, and I will be sure to uh, get to those now over the next 15 minutes or so. Uh, but before I do that, I just wanted to mention, again, you know, if you haven't, please make sure you like this video. 
Um, make sure you're subscribed to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime I go live like I have here today on October the 5th, 2022 at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if you're looking for ways to support the H1B Guy platform, there are several ways to do so, but mainly just through your likes and your comments. Uh, but there is a super chat function here currently through YouTube or a super thanks if you're watching or listening to this at a later date. There are also links if you wanted to help produce more content on the H1B Guy platform, you can do so through the video description below. Uh, but I just thank everyone who's taken time to join me here this afternoon and um, really appreciate your interaction. So let's drop those questions or comments in the chat and I'm going to go ahead and pull up the first one and get to it. Ahara uh, says, I don't think any immigration reform will, build, will pass in this Congress or any future Congress in the next 15 to 20 years till USA lose the advantage it has now. It will be killed by the co-sponsors. Um, I will agree with you in terms of this Congress, Hara. I think that that STEM amendment does have a chance, though. Uh, the reason why I say that is because the NDAA as a whole, you know, it's already kind of worked its way through the House. Now, as that amendment is introduced, it would have to go back to the House if the Senate were to uh, approve it, right, Would were to uh, vote yes. It would have to go back to the House and be recalled back for debate and would require a new vote with the amendment because if the Senate makes any modifications to the House version, it has to go back to the House and, and kind of vice versa. Uh, but I think that the STEM amendment, right, which is, uh, you know, as a whole, ultimately to, to shorten it down, what is what does it do? Right. Well, really, what it does is it, it exempts STEM foreign graduates of American institutions with a master's degree or higher. So master's six year uh, Ph.D., um, from the annual green card limits for employment-based preferences upon contingent upon applicants receiving offers to work for U.S. employers in a field related to their, their degree. So kind of similar to that OPT STEM that we see. Um, but I think that that piece of legislation could pass uh, potentially by the end of the year, that's really the only one that I foresee has any probability. Um, but 15 to 20 years, I don't agree with. I think that, that um, the climate will continue to change as more folks like me bring this employment-based immigration discussion to the mainstream. Um, as the media continues to cover it as a whole, the green card backlog has gotten a lot of coverage over the last two years. Um, documented dreamers, children that are aging out, that, that are legal childhood arrivals, has gotten a lot of media coverage over the last several years. Um, so I do think that, that when we start to look at those types of legislative actions, um, they have a higher probability than removing country caps or increasing the annual H-1B visas, right? We've, we've talked about that a lot. Hey, Anks. Anks asks, will EB3 India reach August 2013 and 2023? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's a possibility. Uh, if we go and, and look at, you know, kind of where we stand now, right, which is you had April 
2012 for final action and you had may of 2012 for dates of filing which they were currently accepting dates of filing um so for you what do you need well you you need final action to move a little more than a year plus um i think that could be possible for you by the end of the fiscal year if not the calendar year um, so, yeah, I know that this is a tough pill for you to swallow, but this is where I tell you, hey, um, you know, you've been patient now for probably 10 years. You've probably been in the country 10, 11 years is my guess. Um, so be as patient as possible and know that, uh, you know, hopefully your your time is, is coming um, and hopefully that time will come, uh, if not by the end of the fiscal year before that. Uh, but would like to, I would like to see some of that, that movement happen again in EB3, because if we go back to what happened in 2021 and how aggressive they were with advancing the EB3 dates, how it created the, the upgrade, the downgrade, the inner file and all of these things kind of in between, um, really would like to see a little bit more consistent forward movement in EB3 this year. Cause last year we had the retrogression. And then we had no movement and then 30 days of movement. And that was really about it. So um, hopeful. I'm hopeful that uh, by the end of the fiscal year or at least the end of the calendar year that, that your date should be current. Hey, Puneet, how are you? Any news on stamping inside U.S. for non-immigrant visas constantly overburdened and don't have dates? Yeah, no, there's not an update on this. Um, but this is one of the things that I would really like to see change, and that is for individuals that are currently living and working in the U.S. to be able to go to consulates here in the U.S. Uh, and, and get stamping instead of having to go outside of the U.S., whether that be India or Mexico or Canada or Australia or China or anywhere in between. This is one of the changes that I would really like to see is really would like to see less overseas requirements on consulate appointments, even if it's Dropbox. Um, because the fact is, as you said, overburdened and don't have any dates. There are Twitter handles dedicated to Dropbox appointments becoming open. How crazy is that? It, it, it acts, it, it's really, it's, it, it's mind numbing to think about how the consulates used COVID as an excuse. Department of State, USCIS used COVID as an excuse. And here we are still in the lack of availability for appointments. Yeah, you got to know you have an approved visa, but you can't get an appointment. And if you're in the U.S., the fear of going outside the U.S., even if you have an appointment and it may be being canceled or something happening while you're outside of the U.S., potentially even being hit with a 221G, right, administrative processing, which extends your time internationally at least by 60 days, 45 to 60 days at a minimum. Um, Puni, this is one of the things that I really would like to see changed. It's common sense, but I don't know if we'll get there anytime soon. It really is a shame, but yeah, it's a great question. Hey, Jafeth, how are you? Watching from Kenya. Kenya. Great content, sir. Man, thank you so much. Um, 
it I will I will tell you, Jeff, when I look at um, the demographics of where folks are, are watching my content from, I, I just I have to pinch myself sometimes at how global this channel has become. I, I when I launched this channel on June 29th of, of 2020, I, I had no idea what I was doing or where this was going. Um, but the fact is, is that this channel and my website, uh, my Twitter handle, uh, LinkedIn, um, it has really, it has really connected me with so many people globally around the world. And for that, I'm just so grateful. And and it kind of goes back to my story that I started off the live stream with. Uh, and running into my friend Daniel Botero on a vacation on a cruise ship. How does that happen? Um, the world is a huge and enormous place, but the web and social media and opportunities for me to do these live streams on YouTube have connected me with so many people. Um, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Uh, and so just wanted to thank you for for tuning in, Jafeth. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Hey, Reddy, how are you? Hi, I recently got my H-1B approved from, and my wife was in F-2 before and 60 months ago. She's been in my lawyer filed I-539 for her. Does she need a visa interview or is she eligible for Dropbox? Um, she, If you're not going to be going with her, she may need a separate interview, um, but I'm not 100% positive on that. I know a lot of times they want you to do those interviews uh, those visa appointments with your spouses in conjunction. Uh, but I'm curious, there may be someone who's watching this that could answer this exactly, um, as I'm not 100% positive. My guess is you probably are waiting upon an approval. Um, and once you have that approval, she may be able to go through Dropbox in that sense. Hey, Siva, uh, EB2 priority date, January 2014. When will it be current? Wow. Um, you were so close at the end of last year, weren't you? Um, literally, it was like right there in your fingertips, wasn't it? Uh, it's, it's really crazy when we look at how much they advanced those EB2 dates last year. Um you know, we got all the way to what, December 2014, I believe. Um, so, you know, you were current. Did you file? Would be my question. Um, because we made it to December 2014 and, and they were accepting uh, final action dates uh, in August and September. Uh, so you should, at that point, kind of be in what I would call counted against, right? Um, but I'm interested. Were you able to file, Siva? Did, did you get your I-485 filed? Hank says, thank you for answering. Absolutely. That's why I love doing these live streams. It gives me an opportunity to connect and interact with you guys. What is the processing time for the I-539? I do not know. Um do you know if that's something that's, I haven't checked to see if that's something that's available on USCIS. 
um, for their processing time drop down. I shared that at one point in a live stream um, where I covered the processing time specifically for certain forms. Uh, let me see if I can find that. Yep, I found it. Status for H for dependence. Um, I'm going to guess it's Vermont. Seven months currently. That's a long time. That's a really long time. Um, so, yeah, ready. Seven months currently for this, uh, the, the I-539s. Regis says, my cast is sitting on NBC um, from last 10 days. My date is April 16, 2012. Is Visa applied for my GC as per August 2022? You should be counted on that number. It's my guess. Um, but the visa is probably unavailable because they hit the that max in, in September. So you'll be in what's considered documentarily qualified and a hold until until those numbers come available. Abhijit says, my EB3 PD is 20 June 2012. It's current last year, but I got birth certificate RFE by the time I got the birth certificate of India. My PD retrogressed. Now PD is April 1st, 2012. What are my chances by year end? I think really good. Um, if I were to put a guess on it for you, um, I'd say January, maybe February. Abhijit, you're close, man. Get all your documents together. Make sure you got everything. Sounds like you got your birth certificate. I'd get with your attorney to see if there's anything else additionally you may need to provide. But it looks like for me, based on the way I expect the EB3 to, to track forward over the next couple months, uh, possibly by January or February. Yeah, Rajiv, that's that EB2, right? So you're probably, it, the number is unavailable. It has to become available. That's why we saw that retrogression. So hopefully once they start filing, that's those uh, counting against those 60,000 additionals, that'll help you. Uh, Siva says he did file and submit, but had a medical RFE and the visa became unavailable. So lost the opportunity. Correct, but you're still counted in the number, right? So hopefully, um, you know, that will will help you. Oh, your medical was received by September 6th. Yeah, the you know, again, when that September bulletin posted in August, uh, they were really upfront with the fact that September was going to be unavailable at some point. And then I covered, you know, that article that was from September 7th, the, the disposition um, where it said they knew the numbers were going to be oversubscribed as of September 7th, 8th. So, yeah, see if you've got the, the inner file, good. Um, so this is that kind of parallel. Uh, the good news, you know, is for you. I don't know if EB3 will see January 2014, uh, but hopefully we will see at least a year jump um, in EB2, and, and that'll get you a lot closer uh, once once the, the numbers start to move back forward. But I, I don't know if we'll get a full year of, of movement in, in EB2 for you or if we're going to be looking at fiscal year 2024 for you at that point. I mean, it, it kind of has that feel. Um, 
But with that being said, I've got time for maybe one more question or comment. I, I did want to say one last time, if you're looking for ways to support the H1B Guy platform, you can do so through the Super Chat function. Uh, if you're watching or listening to this at a later date, you can do so through the Super Thanks function. Um, as I always say, any investments made into this platform are reinvested back into the technology. Um, I'm in the process of upgrading some more tech that I have here that is behind the curtains tech. Um, so would greatly appreciate, uh, you know, any of your support that, that, that you can offer, but really the best support that you can offer me as, as I've said, is just through being subscribed to the H1B guy channel, uh, liking my content that I put out, commenting and engaging, um, in the comments on, on each of the videos. Uh, so just really appreciate all of your support. I, I know there's many of you that I owe responses to that have backed up over the last couple of weeks. Do apologize as I was traveling last week and out of the country and completely offline and, um, you know, been really busy, right? Which is a good thing. It's a great problem to have. I will not complain about being busy. Um, I, I have absolutely being fully utilized both in my consulting practice um, as well as with uh, with my, my, my staffing full-time gig that I do. Um, but love the opportunity to join in here on these live streams on Wednesday since it's been two weeks since we've done one. Uh, just really appreciate everyone who's who's taken time to jump in here this afternoon and, and drop me a question or a comment. Um, another thing I did want to mention, and I'll, I'll do the copy reads here in a few minutes, but uh, supporting my partners, uh, Syndesis and Path to Canada, um, perm-ads.com, as well as Mob Squad. And as I mentioned, my friend Daniel Patera at Mastering College to Career. Um, so, you know, really just wanted to say thank you for, for everyone who's taken time to check out my partner's links. Um, I cannot produce this show without their support and without your views and clicks. It just is, it's the truth. It goes hand in hand at what, it's what makes this thing go here. Um, and, you know, we've come a long way from where we were back in 2020, but the thing that has not come a long way is reform, immigration reform. Unfortunately, we are literally almost in the same place that we were back in that summer of 2020 while we were in the middle of the pandemic. And so uh, thank you to everyone who's who's joined me here this afternoon. Um, just wanted to give a shout out to all of you who have dropped uh, comments here today in the chat. Hara, Anks, Puneet, uh, Jafet, uh, Reddy, Siva, Rajiv, Abhijit. Um, thank you all. Really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to, to join my live stream and uh, really appreciate your, your support. Uh, so with that being said, I did want to let everyone know that today's live stream was brought to you by Synesis and Path to Canada. Uh, they provide the ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. If you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B. Syndesis and Path to Canada are your answer. They will gladly help you navigate the process. If you'd like to find out if you qualify, please be sure to use the link in the video description below. And someone from Syndesis or Path to Canada will be in touch. My friend Mark Pavlopoulos and his team at Syndesis and Path to Canada do great work. Um, if you haven't checked out those videos and interviews I've done with Mark, I've had Mark on at least three times, um, two times individually and one time with uh, the Canadian immigration attorney, Daniel Mandelbaum. Uh, check out those videos if you haven't already. And they do a lot of explanation around what Syndesis and Path to Canada do.
And also by my friend Carl Ballsmeyer at perm-as.com. They are the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process. If you're looking to reduce your cost and overhead associated with perm labor certification recruitment advertising, let Carl and his team at perm-ads.com help you. And also by Mob Squad. Are you a technology professional facing U.S. work visa related challenges? Don't leave your fate up to chance. Our partner Mob Squad has a solution. Mob Squad helps technology professionals facing U.S. work visa related uncertainty remain working with our current U.S. company nearshore from Canada, as well as technology professionals from around the world who are seeking an opportunity to find a rewarding career in North America. Through their partnership with the Canadian government, they can obtain a Canadian work permit for you and your spouse in as little as eight weeks. So whether you're looking to stay working with your current U.S. company or you want to find a new opportunity in Canada, please find out how the team at Mob Squad can help you via the link in the video description below. Join the squad. And if you haven't, I had an interview that posted a week ago, week and a half ago uh, with Sarab, um, who talked about his journey with Mob Squad and relocating from uh, the U.S. to Canada. Um, I've also had uh, Jessa and Nicole from Mob Squad on. Uh, we did a live stream Q&A with them about a month and a half ago, as well as um, my initial interview with Arif, uh, Arif Kamani from uh, Mob Squad president and COO. Uh, and that was done back in the end of April, beginning of May. So check those out if you haven't already. Just wanted to ask you one last time, if you haven't already, please like this video. Make sure you're subscribed to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime I post new content here to this channel. Uh, if you've made it this far, I just wanted to say thank you for taking time to watch my live stream or watch this video um, after the fact. I really appreciate your support. I'm Robert. I'm the H1B Guy. And if you haven't, follow me on Twitter. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook. Come join the, the my Telegram channel. Would really appreciate your support and interaction there. Um, with that being said, um, I'm the H-1B guy, your global source for all things H-1B.